Thank you to everyone who supports this show and all the shows in the Major Spoilers podcast and network. If not already, you can become a Major Spoilers member by signing up at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Shout outs this week to Tom Zombieface, not Tom Zombieface, but Tom and Zombieface, who both became Major Spoilers patrons this week. And to, uh, I, I think the name is uh, Arend Goodwin, who increased their pledge this week. If I mispronounce your names, I'm sorry. I'm pretty sure I pronounced Zombieface correctly. Uh, but uh, thank you to everyone who joined this week over at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Thank you to everyone who increased their pledge this week at patreon.com slash major spoilers. We're sending out this week's episode to you. I don't know, Matthew and Rodrigo, whose name will I give a shout out to next week? Will it be Jimbo McCormick? I don't know. It could be your name, dear listener. There's only one way to find out, and that is to go over to patreon.com slash major spoilers and sign up today. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, Femmes Fatale, Chilling Adventures, World Wars Hulks, National Lampoon's Van Helsing versus Lady Bathory, and we react to DC fandom and all the secret secrets spill there. Even through the darkest days, the major spoiler fire burns. Always. Oh God, it burns. Pause for rad guitar solo. Welcome to issue 948 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you, everyone, for checking us out this week. Again, we haven't crossed that threshold where I can have four people on the show at the same time. It's sad. It I is. know, right? Uh, so a lot of people have really responded in a very positive manner to the way in which we have done our news in the uh, past couple of months. We're going to deviate from the way that we've done that uh, this week because this past weekend, uh, October 16th, the weekend, DC Fandom uh, had its second virtual Hall H event, I guess is the best way that I can describe it, where they pulled out all the stops and brought out uh, things about Black uh, Adam and Shazam 2 and The Flash and uh, The Batman. And uh, instead Batman. of trying to tell you stories about each one of those things, uh, I thought what we'd do is we just kind of go around the table and everybody pick one of the things or two of the things that stood out uh, from that and and uh, talk about that. So I'm going to go first. And I think Matthew also has this down. Uh, we got to see our first look at the upcoming uh, Ezra Miller uh, Flash movie, where definitely the multiverse plays a big role in this. This is not something that should come as a shock to everyone because uh, as the flash was running around in that justice league movie, he did cross into the multiverse and, and crossed over into, you know, desert multiverse with uh Joker's head in a jar or whatever it is. We live in a society. We also saw that in the um, flash television series, the, um, the multiverse event, the crisis on infinite earth. We saw Ezra Miller show up there. So it's no surprise that we get to see a current Ezra Miller, a younger uh, Ezra Miller and an older Ezra Miller, all being on the screen at the same time. And then something that we kind of also knew is that we were going to have multiple Batmans in this flash movie. We know that Ben Affleck has come out and said that he's had a lot more fun being Batman in the flash movie than he did in the justice league movie. And then in the uh, little preview that we got at DC Fandom, we get to hear, not really see, but we definitely get to hear one Michael Keaton as Batman 89. Uh, we also mm. get to see the uh, the the Batman 89 um, uh, Batmobile under the tarp 
and get to revisit the old bat cave. So what did, what did you guys think about that? Matthew, I, I know you're pretty excited about this. I am. I think actually, uh, one of the people that you thought was a flash is actually Sasha Kaye Supergirl. Oh, is it? On, 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 yeah. On the right of, uh, Ezra pound. Okay. Cause she has a, an S symbol on her chest. Oh, but okay. I am psyched about this for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, I'm not a hundred percent sure what's going on with that figure in the shadow standing under the rock, but it doesn't necessarily look like Ezra Wayne, the rock Miller, Johnson? and I'm wondering, I don't know if it's the rock Johnson, but it's definitely a flash. I'm wondering how many alternate flashes are in this. Um, but more importantly, I want to know, does this movie show us Ezra's side of the Ezra Grant face down? I don't know that they would, but I think that, you know, my completest brain thinks it would be great if he just pops up for a minute in star labs and Grant Gustin is like, wait, what? Go away. But, or if, know. or if they tied that moment from crisis of the TV series into this event where Ezra's running around and going, whoa, you know, and they have a short conversation, then he goes away. Yeah, that would work. That would work. Rodrigo, did you get to see the flash bits? I mean, not the flash bits, but I mean, did you get to see the bits of the flash? Well, that doesn't even sound right either. Did you get to see the video <laughs> of the flash movie? The trailer. I, well, not I really a trailer. did. A I did so, see the flash teaser. Yeah. Um, my first thought after seeing it was, is the guy who wrote flashpoint still in charge of these movies? I don't, <laughs> it has passed through many writers uh, okay. at this point. Let me, as, as you talk, let me go and look at the, uh, IMDb and see who is the current writer on this. Although keep in mind that as it passes from one writer to another, there's often sure. traces and bits of the previous writer to be found. Sure. Uh, in uh, you know, it's, it was admittedly by, uh, um, fashion whirlwind Ezra Miller, uh, pointed out that this is like very early stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so, it's it's hard to get a good gauge of it, but it it already looks more fun than a lot of other Justice League stuff. Yeah. I think when you get, you know, time travel, like when you get the first off, you put you center the Flash, which is kind of a very tends to be a fun character. Mm -hmm. um, and then you throw in time travel or alternate dimensions or, you know, all this nonsense. You have a lot more room to do fun stuff. And it's, you know. I'm sure DC will forever kick themselves. And the fact that like Spider-Man <laughs> beat them to the big alternate dimension mm -hmm. razzmatazz. Yeah. Uh, so the flash movie being written is being credited. And again, I don't know how many other writers are also hidden around in here somewhere, but Christina Hodson is the writer on this. She is also uh, just wrapping up the uh, screenplay on the Batgirl movie. She was the writer and producer of the birds of prey movie. She was also, uh, she also wrote, um, shut in unforgettable and the bumblebee transformers movie. So that is her, that is her, uh, that is her resume, her bona fides, uh, also announced at uh, DC fandom was that Winston Duke is going to be Batman. And I know what you're thinking. What is this also some flash movie thing? No. Uh, so if you're not aware, there are things called podcasts, dear listeners, and over the last couple of years, companies like Marvel and DC, or more importantly, Disney and, uh, and Warner Brothers has figured out that, hey, let's start telling narrative stories, essentially audio dramas or audio books, 
and let's release them as podcasts through our exclusive Spotify agreements or however that they're being released. Uh, currently there is a Batman adventures series running on HBO max that you can listen to. It's pretty good, but in an upcoming podcast series that's coming out, uh, it was announced that Winston Duke, you may know him from, uh, the black Panther movie is going to be playing Batman in this upcoming, in this upcoming series. So I think that that is pretty, that I think that's pretty cool. It's, it's nice to see some different people get to take on that role. Even if it is an audio drama, it'd be interesting to see, um, Duke's performance and see if maybe somehow he gets cast to play Batman in an animated version of, of Batman. Uh, we do know that, uh, what is it? Future state Batman, Lucius Fox, uh, is, is out there. So maybe there's another part for Winston Duke to play in the future. Thoughts, reactions, anybody? I mean, he's, he's cool. He's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's, uh, the, he's on Baku. So, Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I'd be, I, I didn't realize that he, that, uh, HBO max was doing like, uh, listen-y stuff. Yeah. It's, which is really weird, right? Because it's cool because they have like this old, the tiny Batman-y radio sitting on a, on a desk. And as people are talking, the, uh, the diodes uh, and the, and the vacuum tubes behind it, uh, react to the up. voice. So it kind of lights up and causes things to dim and brighten. It's kind of, it's kind of cool. But I mean, it's something you could definitely just listen to on a podcast app if they just release it that way. But, you know, Marvel has done this uh, twice now with the Wolverine stuff. And now they just launched um, the Hawkeye uh, podcast. I believe these are Mm. exclusive on Spotify. I may be wrong on that. And if I am, I'm willing to admit that I'm wrong. Uh, See what I did there? Oh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go and listen to the Major Spoilers podcast pre-show to find out more. The only way you can get that is by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Now back to your regularly scheduled discussion. Matthew thoughts. Matthew has zero thoughts. Rodrigo, what do you got on your, uh, takeaway from fandom that you wanted to talk about? Uh, probably the thing that I was most interested about was, Meaning. uh, more, uh, suicide squad kills the justice league. Ah, uh, the upcoming video game from, what is it? Rockstar games. Is that who's doing it? I think think so or rocksteady uh, I, I don't see. know maybe it's, yeah, it's rocksteady yeah uh, um it's mostly more stories yeah it's rocksteady it's mostly most story more story stuff mm-hmm. um i'm not uh, crazy about the design on some characters but also i have to you know just be like okay well this is there's a um what i want to say like uh, a, a a design philosophy sort of to these characters so that's fine um looks like your playable characters are going to still be harley quinn uh captain boomerang uh killer shark or king shark and um dead shot dead shot so um you know it looks interesting um again it's it's a lot more story not a lot of gameplay um but it looks like it might be fun. It's a fun premise, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like anytime you do, you try to do a superhero game. Um, it's like the superhero going up against the like some villain, right? And sometimes, you know, like uh, with Spider-Man or Batman and stuff, is like even though those guys actually have a lot of recognizable villains, they kind of run out of like good villains. 
mm-hmm. and you you end up doing like a whole mission ab- around like catching the calculator or whatever. <laughs> I know the calculator had a big glow up for a long time, and the, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, At least it's but, not Captain you know, it's Condiment, like, so. Here, the big bosses are Superman, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, The Flash. You know, and it's like I can imagine that it must be very fun to try to devise a strategy to take out from to take out Superman and a different strategy to take out the Flash or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I hope that there is that that there's that aspect of actually, you know, basically seeing like, okay, well, the Flash moves very fast, so we need to maybe put booby traps on the ground or whatever. You know, just like that. There's some sort of um, planning or uh, like sort of a, a different approach and not that you just like dodge roll dodge roll dodge roll until they attack and then hit them yeah so this game set squarely in the arkham averse that was already confirmed from the batman arkham series so i'm okay. sure there's going to be some of the game some of the similar gameplay mechanics that we're going to see in there um it also may be that who's doing that suicide or not suicide squad the guardians of the galaxy game over for marvel uh, for marvel studios is that also this group but I'm, I'm wondering. It, it does look very similar. Yeah, I'm wondering it might just if we be the won't same group see that's doing the trailer. Oh, maybe that's it. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised if you end up controlling like one character, like Harley Quinn, and the others are just kind of doing a follow along AI thing, and then you can switch between the characters. That might be interesting. Yeah. Or it's apparently a Square Enix game. Ah, okay. So it is a different company. Uh, so there, I'm wrong again. I'm willing to admit that I was wrong on that. But um, but 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 they do. Because of the trailers, because of the way the trailers are cut, they do look very similar. Yeah, they do. So, again, I think it's very possible that the same company is just doing both of their trailers. <laughs> it could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in this story, it looks like Brainiac has taken control of the uh, heroes that Rodrigo has mentioned. And your job is maybe not necessarily to kill them, but my guess is once you break Brainiac's control, uh, you've completed that mission. Uh, they've even kind of showed a little bit of that in the trailer where you see like the flash's eyes are all black and creepy and then it goes back to normal. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to play this. I'm not lately. I've kind of moved back away from video games again. Um, this looks interesting, but I have a feeling that kind of like as great as that Spider-Man game for the PlayStation was, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to get into a part where it's like, dang it, I can't figure out how to do this function sure. and I'm going to be trapped in a mission and then I'm just going to throw the controller down flip over the the desk in the entertainment system and smash the TV and say, I'm done with this game. And I've only been like an hour into actual gameplay. I have a feeling the same thing would happen. And he was, he was still watching was, the opening. I was, yes, I was still doing the beat Wilson, Wilson Fisk a bit. Uh, I have a feeling that's the same way I would feel with this. I I've not played any of the Batman Arkham games, so I don't know, you know, how I easy mean, it that- is to play those games or not. That is just always the the issue with these licensed games, right? Um, everybody's like, oh, an Avengers game. An Avengers game in which you get to play each of the big Avengers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ex- 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 from the movie. So, not the Wasp or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, when it hit, it was kind of garbage, right? Like, yeah. it yeah. wasn't great. Yeah. And so, it doesn't matter... It doesn't matter that it's an Avengers game. In fact, it like it's even worse because it's an Avengers game because people were hyped about it and because people have like a, an emotional attachment to the series. It become it flips. It becomes this negative thing that pulls it down even harder. Everyone's aware of it. Everybody played it. Everybody disliked it. 
And so, you know, these games, you know, I am interested in this game. I am interested in the Guardians of the Galaxy game. I'm a little bit interested in the Batman and like the, the Bat Family, like Court of Owls game. Yeah, that one looks interesting too, but I have um, the same fear. It looks, same, it looks same interesting. Fear. Yeah. Um, but it always comes down to gameplay, right? If you love, if a game is licensed with a license that you super duper love, but you can't play it, you know, if it's just like, terrible or boring or too hard or too easy or just like, i'm old just, and i'm not coordinated enough to smash the right button at the right smashing time i mean yeah or or the design philosophy of these games has moved away from something that you enjoy i you know i like i like fighting games and i like rpgs and i don't like a lot in between metroid dread just came out mm-hmm. and i'm like I should play that because I've always wanted to get into Metroid, but then I'm like every platformer that I've played essentially after Yoshi's story, I've been terrible at. I mm. just, I'm very bad at platformers and I get very frustrated with them. Um, unless it's like kind of like a more ambient platformer like Gris. But yeah. um, what I'm saying is, yeah, it's like, sometimes it's just not the type of game you like, right? If it's a shooter, if this was like, this if this was going to be a first person shooter, mm-hmm. then I would all of my interest in it would fall because I'm terrible at first person shooters and I usually don't enjoy them. Yeah. Uh real quick, uh, major spoilers poll of the week. <gasps> done. We do what? those. Yeah, well, I'm I'm doing them right now. This is one of those well, things. I, we're switching it up, ladies and gentlemen. Ah, this is why you gotta stick around and listen to the major spoilers podcast week after week, because you don't know what we're gonna drop next. Major spoilers poll of the week this week is what has been your favorite single i mean it could be part of a franchise but you know one of those games uh what is your one single superhero video game that you have loved the most and and i'll tell you what the one that i have loved the most and i probably a lot of people are going to say that game sucked but back in the xbox days in the early xbox uh not xbox one but the very first xbox that came out there was a x-men game where you got to control all of the different X-Men. You, you had them on a mission, like in fours. Oh, yeah. I love that game, man. Or I like got, they, they basically stand in like a two by two grid. Yeah. 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 And then you go through and you do all these missions that are based on comics. And then you unlock like Jean gray. You can unlock all of her different uh, comic book costumes and you can swap them out and go on all these missions. I am not talking about the, uh, the Sega Genesis X-Men game. Cause that one sucked. But, uh, man, I really got a kick out of that Xbox X-Men game from had to have been around 2003 to 2007, somewhere around, no, 2003 to 2005. Yeah, that I, game sucked. So I love I think that game. Those I games, game. I might be wrong about this, but I think those games became the ultimate Alliance games. Maybe it was. I think you're right. Um, which are now just have expanded to, um, to to uh, all of the all of Marvel, not just the X Men, but I could be wrong. Maybe they're just maybe. I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna look it up. So, Rodrigo, what is your favorite X Men or what is your favorite X Men game? No, what is your favorite uh, superhero video game? Like a licensed superhero game? Yeah, not like uh, it, Chubby's yeah, yeah, Big yeah. Adventure. Not, nothing. Not, like yeah, that. not like City of Heroes or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, it probably, man, it probably was that PS4 Spider-Man game. It was just mm-hmm. really complete, um, you know, just the right level of difficulty, just the right length. Um, you know, like the correct length for a game is like you finish it and you go, 
oh, I wish that was a little bit longer. Like that's that's like the that's like perfecto length, you know. <laughs> um, and that's what this Spider-Man game was. And there's still like stuff to find and stuff afterwards. And I that's the first game in forever that I've completed to a hundred percent. Um, because even after all, like I usually lose interest very quickly, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. I loved Mario Odyssey, but once I finished the story, I just started losing interest. I played it a little bit more and then I dropped it. But Spider-Man, I also played it a little bit more than I, than I dropped it, but that little bit more was enough to get everything else that I still needed to see about the game. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that, that strangely though, I have like, I haven't wanted to pick up the Miles Morales game. Mm. And maybe that's partially because I know that it was kind of made with the PS5 in mind. So yeah. maybe once I get a PS5, I'll be more interested in it. Good luck but with that. I, I, yes. <laughs> so let me, I'll let you know in like 2024 when I finally <laughs> get one. <laughs> X-Men um, Legends is the game that I'm talking about. X-Men Legends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, look into, look into the Ultimate Alliance okay. uh, games. because I think they're like at least like spiritual successors. Okay. Yeah, I'll check um, into it. But but yeah, it's probably that Spider-Man game for me. All right, Matthew, what about you? What is your favorite superhero video game of all time? Of all time, probably the arcade uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from '89. Yeah, that one's pretty good. Where you and four friends could you know beat the snot out of people, and you could throw robots and stuff. I really love. I actually finished uh, Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. But I really loved the story in the Spider-Verse, uh, the Spider-Man uh, stories. I really liked the way they tied in so much continuity effortlessly. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like you, you know, go and you're like, hey, I'm Peter Parker. And my boss is, oh, if you know who Dr. Octopus is, that's who that is. And my police contact, if you know who the Wraith is, that's who that is. And that guy over there is clearly at some point going to be another Spider-Man. And that guy over there is going to be Hammerhead. But you don't know that yet. Just shut up and play. Yeah. And yeah. And by and also various by, uh, things were just, oh. Yeah, so by, by by saying Spider-Man is established, it allowed also to like effortlessly be like, okay, here's a random guy. Here's Tombstone. Right. Right. And then you don't have to explain who Tombstone is. Spider-Man kind of already knows him. Let's move on. Yep. yep. Here's here's the shocker. And you do right. get to a point where I played the a couple of, you know, maybe had an hour or two of the Arkham games. Mm-hmm. And I always felt like the Arkham games were just too focused on everything is the Joker, mm-hmm. but you, you do have, you know, the overarching villain of the King pig, and then you have everybody sort of orbiting that, but they're not all working for him. And, you know, the slow build, the sinister six was just so well done. I mean, I was surprised yeah. Yeah. when the sinister six happened yeah. and I should have, I should not have been, because it was literally five of the six members of the Sinister Six being introduced slowly a piece at a time. And I'm like, oh, I wonder where this is going. You got so distracted by, you know, the brilliance of that storyline. Yeah. All right. So now we return you to your regularly scheduled news segment. Uh, So, Matthew, talk about this uh, Batman trailers. You're all interested in the Robert Pattinson, aren't you? I actually am interested in the Robert Pattinson Batman uh, for two reasons. Uh, one, it's not a Scott Snyder movie, and two, <laughs> no, I think you mean a Zack Snyder movie. Zach Although, if you, do, uh, if you do, if uh, you uh, do ask uh, Scott Snyder about any Zack Snyder movies, he'll just play right along. 
No, they're the same guy. They just changed their name for tax purposes. Um, I feel like the thing that I really like about it is also the thing that I'm almost certain I'm going to hate about it. Okay. Is mm. it's another early days. It's another Batman year. That's one a year thing. one thing. Yeah. But I like, you know, I like the bits and pieces that we get. We get, you know, uh, Irish guy eating up all the scenery he can get. It's the penguin. Yeah. And we get to see a Batmobile that's basically an armored muscle car that looks like Mad Max. So here's, here's the thing. For those of you who are cool and in the know, you are aware of an artist that we have been big fans of at Major Spoilers for a long time, Francesco Francovia. And he oftentimes will go out and do his own take on something. So he'll put like all the Batman characters in a Star Trek universe and, and give them their costumes and everything. He had Mm -hmm. a series of art pieces called Batman 1972, where, you know, Catwoman has got the big Afro and, you know, just the, the clothing of the style and Batman is there and he's driving a muscle car. And when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, that looks like they drew a lot of inspiration for that from Francesco Francovia. And then Francesco Francovia posted the other day, I had, and he says, essentially, quote, I had no idea that this happened, but I just found out. And it's the director saying, we base this on uh, Francovia's art. Mm-hmm. So, yes, there is that, there is that tie in there. So maybe, maybe this will be the, the calling that DC needs to say, Francesco, please tell us your Batman 1972 uh, right. story. Sure, well, sure. If it has Zoe Kravitz in it. I'm sold. I mean, that's, that's why I'm excited about this movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. Zoe Kravitz Catwoman is why I'm in because I don't know. You know, I, I liked the whole thing where Anne Frank was not, I'm, I'm so sorry. Um, Anne, <laughs> what is her name? Hathaway. Hathaway. Thank you. Dear God, please, please, Stephen. I oh no, I'm living. I'm living no, I'm leaving I'm it so in. Sorry. Even though I need the money like desperately, I do. I'm selling some original yeah. comic book art. I'll Even though you. I need the money desperately, I'm leaving it in because it's a nice I'll little little nine dollars. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And Hathaway, <laughs> we know. And uh, and uh, Christian Bale, yeah. never had the chemistry, right, for me. And you know, Anne Hathaway may have been a fine. Uh, Catwoman for a different Spider-Man, but you do have that problem, <laughs> you know, cause now I'm going to do it on purpose. I'm just going to make this into a word salad. I feel like just the, the few moments that we see with, uh, English Batman and Zoe Kravitz Catwoman, I'm just like, Oh man, that is just like, yeah, so yeah they're going to be good. I really dig this idea of the Riddler being this, this big bad in this. I, I really kind of dig that, even though I think we're seeing too much of the penguin. Uh, so far, I, I am not, I mean, I will, I will see this movie. Don't mm-hmm. mistake anything I'm about to say. I will see this movie. And if I feel like it is worth, uh, risking things next year, we should be fine. Hopefully cross my fingers. I will venture out to our crappy movie theater to watch it. But I gotta say the very first shot in this trailer turned me off. Really? Because all I, all I hear is, you know, somebody mumbling something, something it's dark, it's raining. There's neon reflections everywhere on the street. I'm like, okay, is this it's trying to Edward be Blade Hopper's with Nighthawks? Well, it's not quite, but I mean, it's, it's trying to be, it, it feels like it's trying to be Blade Runner yeah, meets yeah. seven. And I was like, I'm not sure I'm interested in that. This just, I, I the very first shot didn't strike me as. I'm looking at something new and different. And with all the different Batmans that we have uh, over the years, with all the different James Bonds we have over the years, 
even though I know we're going to get similar stories, I do want something fresh and new. And yeah, I just, from that very first shot. Different. Yeah. And from that very first shot, I was just like, I don't feel like I'm getting anything different now. But as he's got the, a gun for a chess symbol. Yeah, no, I, mean, I just, that's different. I mean, no, I just was like, I, it, there, I'm sure there will be more stuff coming up that will get me very excited about this movie. Uh, and I will see it regardless of, of my, you know, how I feel about the movie. I'll go see it regardless. But there's just something about this that unlike the flash bit that we saw, which got me very excited about this flash movie, even though Ezra Miller has been kind of problematic recently. Um, I didn't get that same feeling when I watched the Batman trailer and I, I watched these back to back on a big screen on Saturday when DC Phantom released them. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Rodrigo, what are your thoughts on this Batman trailer? Um, I mean, I have never cared that much for Batman in what? general, but you know, every, every you? couple of years, a new Batman movie comes out and we just all have to watch it. Um, so, uh, with that, with that colossal grain of sand, um, <laughs> I thought it was fine. You yeah. know, it's like people were like, oh no, I hate his Batman voice, but it's like, oh no, it, I'm fine with it's, that. It's not worse than Christian Bale. Right. Like Christian Bale at times sounded like a witch. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it was just like kind of so high. Um, and it's like, yeah, anybody, anybody who does bad. Like, yeah, Batman. exactly. Exactly. I just oh. realized. You know what would get me super excited about this Batman movie? What? Hervey Village Chase is Batman. Is if they change the title of the movie. You know what they should change it to? What? Legends of the Dark Knight. If they changed it to that, I'd be like, oh, would you like to buy one ticket? I'd be like, I'd like to buy 10 tickets, please. I think just couching it in that Legends of the Dark Knight would definitely get me uh, interested. Yeah, that movie would definitely sell 10 tickets. It definitely would. You know, it's like, again, if they they did want to cash in on the alternate reality stuff, Mm -hmm. why not? Why not cast five Batmans? Uh, here's yeah. 20 tickets yeah. into the batter verse. Yep. It's, it's what's hot, but, but really, unfortunately, I feel that they're still doing like somehow they're kind of still doing, um, the, the 89 Batman by way of Frank mm-hmm. Miller, right? It's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. it still feels like that. Yeah. Cause there's that like, scene well, where he's confronting another the version of that. Yeah. This isn't another version of Batman is yeah. another version of that Batman. And so I'm like, well, you know, it's fine. Whatever. Uh, let's play some odds. Uh, what are the odds that we get a, uh, mom and dad dying in the alley with a pink, uh, with a pearl necklace ending. Two to I, one. I'd say they're pretty high. Yeah. Matthew says two to one. I don't really understand how betting odds work. So I'll just go with Matthew's answer. Okay. So two to one means that there's like, Better it's than likely happen. chance. It's like it's a like 50, a 50, 50, 50, 50 chance of that yeah, showing that, up that in this seems, movie. That seems fine. I'm going to go a little bit further. I'm going to say it's like a, I'm going to say it's like a 10 to one, a 10% chance that we sure. see pearls bouncing on a, on a, on a street. That's, that's what I think. Anyway, um, anything else? Oh, I know what you're thinking, dear to listeners. Well, Stephen, don't you want to talk about Candace Patton? Well, yes, most certainly I do want to talk about Candace Patton. And I know what you're thinking, Stephen, don't you want to talk about all the news that came out 
about the Flash TV series season eight? And I was like, well, yes, yes, I do want to talk about that, but I'm not going to talk about it on this show. In fact, I'm going to take Matthew and we are going to go over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash major spoilers, where we have a special season eight preview episode of flashback that is about to drop ahead of the November 16th uh, debut of what some are thinking is the final season of the flash. And we talk about all the news that came out of DC Fandom and stuff that dropped today. And you can only hear that over on the flashback podcast. It's one of the exclusives you get when you become a silver level member over at patreoncom slash major spoilers. And then later this week, I know a lot of people are like, you didn't talk about young justice. And all the cool things that happen in Young Justice, which, you know, the first two episodes of season four dropped on HBO Max. You can go and watch them now. New episodes coming out Thursday because there's a very special appearance by uh, some of our favorite characters in comic books. And Matthew and I will also we will also talk about those appearances and those two episodes over on the Legion Clubhouse podcast. It's a show all about the Legion of Superheroes. You can find it at Majorspoilers.com. You can find it in all the great podcasting apps and services. So if you just look up Legion Clubhouse, where we talk about our thoughts on season four's uh, two episodes debut, as well as where do we think the Legion of Superheroes are going in this season? And that comes out Thursday this week. Again, it's the Legion Clubhouse. You can find that on all the podcast networks. But if you want to find out our thoughts about flashback and the big uh, villain reveal and all that stuff, you need to become a patron at patreon.com slash major spoilers. And then after you've listened to all of the shows that we do, you can come and join the conversation about the DC fandom. You can talk about flashback and the Legion clubhouse or critical hit or any of the shows that we do, or any of the things that pop up on the major spoilers website over on the major spoilers discord. You can join the major spoilers discord server for free. There's a link in the show notes, or if you want access to other stuff, like when Matthew and I record dueling review, what are we reviewing this week, Matthew? Something from I IDW Publishing. No it's something from IDW Publishing. That's what I remember. Uh, it's the uh, Adventures of Turnip Man, number two forty-seven. It's a big anniversary. So, issue. Uh, what you can do is you can link your Patreon account to your to the Discord server, and then you will have access to uh, secret channels where we do the GM Roundtable, which is a uh, Patreon exclusive. We also record the Dueling Review Show live Thursday nights at 8 o'clock p.m. You can come in and listen to our pre-show. You can listen to us record the show. We talk with you after the show. And there's a lot of stuff that, that gets revealed in, uh, in those moments that you're not going to hear anywhere else because we don't record it. So what are you waiting for? A couple of bucks a month, five bucks a month. Patreon.com slash major spoilers will get you in the door. That is uh, probably your best value, although people do get uh, original artwork, T-shirts, and a bunch of other things at higher values. We may even come and visit you if you uh, if you have enough money. Uh, again, find out more. Patreon.com slash major spoilers. Again, now we return you to your regularly scheduled podcast <laughs> as we get into some reviews. <laughs> Looks like we're reviewing no comics that came out this week. No, <laughs> this week uh, was not a good week. All actually, I think it actually week. is a DC has a bunch of wonder woman stuff coming out. I think most of it's reprints to help celebrate the 80th anniversary of wonder woman. There were some other things that DC had Marvel surprisingly. Yeah, number had a, one comes out this week. I believe who does be a number one Nubia and the oh, Amazons. Nubia and the Amazons. Yes. The many people had requested that for us to review this week on dueling review, but it lost by one vote to. Let me look here. I've got it right here. Oh, uh, um, what is it? DD. Oh, Dungeons and Dragons. We're reviewing a Dungeons and Dragons comic. This Dungeons week. and Dragons. Mind taker. Mind breaker, I think is what it is. Same thing. Yeah. Anyway, 
Uh, but a comic that I, I, I wanted to review last week, but that uh, maze box thing from Jeff Lemire just had me so pulled in. Completely forgot that the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina number nine was released last week. Yes, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is back, hopefully for a long time. This is Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, uh, who created uh, Afterlife with Archie and the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, uh, uh, both of which helped spawn the Archie uh, Riverdale series on the CW and the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina on Netflix. He was very busy with that. Now he's got time to write some comic books. And so he's back with Robert Hack. And we are picking up right where issue eight left off. If you remember in issue eight, uh, Harvey, uh, Sabrina's boyfriend, died uh, under mysterious circumstances. But Sabrina brought him him back thinking that Harvey's spirit was back in the body. No, it's actually her father's ghost or his father's spirit that is now inhabiting Harvey's body. It's a little creepy when you think about the uh, the father daughter boyfriend girlfriend relationship uh, going on with uh, Harvey Hinkle's body, uh, and that's kind of creepy. But at the same time, Harvey is trying to figure out who killed me, or I should say, uh, Papa, Papa. Uh, what's Sabrina's last, last Spellman. name? Spellman. Spellman. That's right. What's what's Mister Spellman up to? And he's trying to find out who is this Madam Satan that conspired to kill him oh so many years ago. Oh, we know who she is. Uh, and meanwhile. Sabrina's aunts have told her, look, if you brought a life back, you have to go and take a life. It's a, you know, you have to balance the scales. And she's like, okay, yes, I understand that. And I understand that you, my aunts think that I will not kill somebody, but I guarantee you, I am going to kill someone. The only thing is I'm going to kill somebody that deserves it. So she goes to a prison where she meets basically like the, the Boston strangler type person. She meets a serial killer and she's going to kill him because He's already a bad guy. He's going to die anyway. If she kills him, everything will be fine. Except dot, dot, dot. It's not as easy as that. And I'm not going to give away the big ending, but let's just say you don't want anyone to know your full name. Ooh, Robert Hack's art for me is I can take it or leave it. Sometimes he does stuff that I find super amazing, other times he does stuff that I'm kind of like, what? So I'm kind of, I'm kind of iffy on his art, but it's still really good. I love the coloring that they do in this. Uh, Roberto's uh, writing is I think really good, especially since it's been what, six years. It feels like since the last time we saw chilling adventures of Sabrina number eight and, uh, to be able to just pick back up and, and keep that same voice and writing in here is very, very good. I enjoyed this book immensely. I'm hoping that this is monthly. I I'm a feared that this is only going to be a quarterly release, but uh, still four and a half slices of meatloaf out of five. Perfect for the holiday uh, season. And when I say holiday season, I mean Halloween, uh, but you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas might as well carry it through there as well. Uh, Chilling adventures of Sabrina gets high praise from me this week. And it's a comic that came out last week. Also a comic that came out last week. Avengers number 49, Matthew over there at the Marvel comics. What are we doing? Yeah. World war. She Hulk now. Does she also War She-Hulk. Does she also go to what was it? Uh, War World and have to fight? No. War World is in the DC universe. What's well, the he one went where to they Sakar. Oh, Sakar, that's right. It's also yeah, the name of his son, one. right? No. His son is named Scar. Oh, okay. Scar is different than Sakar. Wait, now who's the guy on Critical Hit? Uh, third base. So here's the deal. <laughs> Avengers number 49. Uh, also known as Avengers, oh, I see, number 749, is actually a buildup 
to a big, gigantic Framiversary issue coming next month, week, who knows. Uh, but what has happened is, so, throughout the Jason Aaron run, there have been three or four major plots rotating. One of them involves Namor uh, in Atlantis. Uh-huh. Yeah. One of them involves uh, the Global Guardians. No, the People's Heroes in Russia. And one of them involves Dracula starting a new nation of vampires in Transylvania. (laughs) All right. I'm already going to read this just for that. Yeah. Two issues ago, actually, uh, they kidnapped She-Hulk. They took her and they brainwashed her in Russia and then had vampires feed on her and turned her into a bright red Hulk with blonde hair, named her the Winter Hulk. Okay, so and that makes sent sense. Her then. To murder Namor of Atlantis. Okay, that makes wow. sense because when they first in, in, introduced Red She Hulk, I was like, "Oh, this is lame." But now that that you explain it, that it's vampires and Russians behind all this, sure, I'm, I'm down for that. Makes perfect sense. It vampires makes perfect Russians, sense. You know, that's right. Working together in, in harmony. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Dogs and cats living together. But uh, in this issue, ooh, that's like a good catchphrase. I shouldn't use that. Uh, She-Hulk has been sent to Atlantis to assassinate Namor, but she doesn't know that the evil Red Widow of the People's Heroes has also snuck in a gamma bomb and intends to blow up Atlantis and create a basically an international incident, blame it on a Hulk, uh, and, you know, let everything roll downhill. What they didn't count on is Jennifer Walters, the She-Hulk, Winter Hulk, Hulk, whatever she calls herself now, actually having the wherewithal to do something about it. And throughout the, it's actually a really great narrative device. Throughout the issue, we see the She-Hulk in action. We see Namor. We see all these things happening. But the caption boxes are Black Panther talking to She-Hulk about what's happening and at first it seems like he's analyzing but instead you get to a point where he's like yes we're also acknowledging the possibility and we're posing the possibility and the avengers are ready and she hulk knows exactly what she's doing and she hulk about halfway through the issue suddenly screams avengers assemble and then everything you know is wrong but in such a wonderful way that I really think you should read this. First of all, the art is fabulous. Uh, Jose Garon, Javi Garon, is doing the art in this. And oh, man, Javi Garon is good. Um, this series, I think the primary uh, penciler is Ed Brubaker. Mm. And Brubaker does this thing where everybody has really square jaws and yeah. big fists big and muscles. everything. And it's it's cool. But Javi Garon actually takes some of that aesthetic and makes it almost, you know, quasi-realistic to where you look at these characters and go, oh, yeah, that woman is four feet wide and seven feet tall, and she could totally exist in the real world and not collapse under her own weight. So I really appreciate that. There is a beautiful scene uh, in Atlantis with Ghost Rider. Are you guys familiar with the current Ghost Rider? Is that Nicholas Cage or is that the, uh, is that the, yeah, that's uh, the, the car ghost rider, right? Yeah. Car ghost rider. Yeah. With the, the car that is very pointedly no longer a Dodge charger, nor <sighs> is it a Dodge challenger, but it's sort of both. It's a Dodge Chalarger. 
Um, but yeah, Ghost Rider shows up in Atlantis. Now, Ghost Rider's car is magic and on is he fire. The cosmic Ghost Rider in Atlantis. No, Cosmic Ghost Rider is a douchebag. Nobody okay. likes him. All right. Uh, c- the current Ghost Rider is uh, really cool. His name is Robbie. Robbie Reyes. And Robbie is like, woo, I'm awesome. My cousin Jamie is the Blue Beetle. What up? Anyway. Different comic. Yeah, it's the same. They, they all met back in 96, which means it's the same shared universe. But uh, if you ever wanted to see a Dodge Charger on fire at the bottom of the ocean, beating up on Namor the Submariner, this is a comic for you. More importantly, if you want to see weird, complex machinations that have been going on for about five years that are about to blow up in everybody's face in several different senses of the word with next issues Avengers 750, then this is this is the place you want to be. I the last few arcs of this book have been just nuts. Moon Knight took over the world. Oh, my gosh, it was terrible. (sighs) Moon Knight literally took over the world, beat up Thor. Uh, all of these things are happening. You had the whole point where the Avengers ceased to exist, and all of a sudden the Justice League, I mean, the Squadron Supreme was there, and it was like, whoa, all of that was cool. All of that has been building to this. Three and a half slices of meatloaf. And you may say, oh, that sounds low. But no, that's very good. That is above average. That is a solid, entertaining, awesome comic book. It ain't perfect. But if you go read it, you will be entertained and you will say to yourself, yes, yes, you are correct, fat man. This is a good comic. I shall read it. And then next issue, I shall come back and we will all go squee at Avengers 750. So just a heads up, uh, not knowing what's going to happen in this, mm-hmm. there is a new She-Hulk series that launches in January and the mm-hmm. covers that they released uh, today over on Major Spoilers mm-hmm. has her green Mm-hmm. So maybe don't expect her to be the red She-Hulk, the winter. Well, this is the Hulk. winter Hulk. The red She-Hulk is a different character. Red She-Hulk is Hulk's ex-wife, uh, Betty, oh who is God. currently the harpy in the pages. Okay, of so Defender. vampire. I don't think she's going to be vampire Jennifer Walters. Vampire Jennifer Walters is a different character who exists on <laughs> Earth 31926. This is anyway, there's a new, new She-Hulk series coming out in January. I'm going to bet that this winter Hulk stuff is, is, is finished by then. Rodrigo, you are also not reviewing a comic from this week. You are reviewing a comic in the future. future. Also from uh, a small publisher. So that's good. Yeah. Matt cave studios, uh, sent us woven heart number eight. Have you guys read any Woven Heart? I have not. I feel like I have. I feel like you have too, because I got into this. And the first thing I thought of was this has historical characters, but like Romeo and Juliet are in it. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, it has like Joan of Arc, who's like a historical character, but Romeo and Juliet, who are like literary characters. And it's like kind of goes back and forth like that. It has like Abraham Van Helsing, who is not a real person. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some reason, I feel like I have heard Matthew talk about that. He may have on one of the podcasts, but as I go over to Majorspoilers.com and use our fantastical search engine, we only have three posts about Wolvenheart. The announcement okay. from 2019, the announcement of issue number eight. Uh, from July, and then the final announcement of Wolvenheart number eight arrives in October, 
uh, that came out in August. So unfortunately, those are the only Wolven Heart stories that I see popping up. Okay. It, it sounds like something that I've encountered and whined about on my Twitter. Time travel <laughs> horror and Victorian thriller all mixed into one is what Mad Cave Studios describes it as. Yeah. yeah. So um, Wolven Heart is a comic book about... Uh, you sort of have these like historical and uh, literary good guys uh, in the Victorian era fighting the bad guys. But number eight is the beginning of a new arc that ends last issue with the protagonist. Oh, sorry. Um, re like basically traveling back in time and changing his timeline or the timeline. So when he gets back, some of the bad guys are good guys and some of the good guys are bad guys. And it's it's kind of an interesting situation. It's like these are people that he he's familiar with, but not all of them are familiar with him. And also these are kind of different versions of the people that he's familiar with. There are people that were important that are now dead in this version. Um, so there's a lot of that uh, going on. Um. I guess it's kind of a jumping on point, but it's still kind of confusing to if you just jump in here. So you probably want a little bit more context, uh, which I will not provide. Um, the story is fun. You know, it's like these characters are cool. They're interesting. Um, there's werewolves in this. Um, there are, uh, you know, it talks about like, at least it talks about the Roma people as the Roma people, but it's still like, is this, you know, the Roma people are real people. Is it still treating them the, the right way? I don't know. I'm not Roma and I don't, uh, I'm not all that well versed in it, but, um, all around it's good. The art is good. It's enjoyable. I like the character designs a lot. The main character, uh, has kind of a, um, again, imagine a Victoria, Victorian long coat with a top hat, but his chest is completely exposed. He has like a double-breasted like shirt that is just completely open in the <laughs> right on the chest. Uh, you know, long hair. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, good times. Very enjoyable. Uh, <laughs> it ends in a kind of a dun 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 moment but i don't want to i don't want to spoil any aspect of it in case uh, in case anybody's picking it up because it is a big surprise and it tells you something about the way time travel works in this universe i'll i'll leave it at that ooh does marty mcfly show up and says nobody calls me a chicken yeah uh actually doc brown shows up and is like victoria guy it's the kids this guy's name it's like <laughs> His name is like Argent Silverbolt or something. Nice. Oh. Uh, no, what is it? Uh, That's like Sterling Cross. Sterling Cross. A what? Sterling Cross. Yeah, Sterling Cross. I knew it was like a silver reference, <laughs> right? But so, so I like yeah. your I like your name better. Yes. Um, uh, new new Patreon subscriber, Argent Silverbolt. <laughs> right. Thank you for your donation. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to give it three and a uh, let's say three and a half slices of meatloaf. Um, right. It's enjoyable. It's not the jumping on point I was hoping for. It really just picks up from like everything's different now and you get to meet characters. But there's always that shadow of like, what was this character like before? And if you're not following along, um, it can be a little confusing. 
not terribly to the detriments to the book's detriment, but you know, it's just a lot going on. Yeah. So this is coming out next week from Mad Cave Studios. However, you can pre-order this issue now and have it delivered digitally and as well as all these other comics that we've talked about. If you want to go get Chilling Adventures of Sabrina or Avengers 49 or even Fatal, our trade paperback this week. Uh, I've provided links in the show notes for you to just click on. In the past, this has taken you to the Comicsology page where you could make the purchase and a little bit comes back our way. But if you've been paying attention to what's been going on with Comicsology over the last couple of months, they are now officially merging Comicsology and Kindle and Amazon all together. So even though there is still a Comicsology website and a Comicsology store, they're trying to push you over to the Amazon uh, website to make all of your comic book pur- purchases, which is great for us because we are already uh, Amazon affiliates. So there are Amazon affiliate links on the major spoilers website. And when you click on those, anything that you buy through that link, a little bit comes back to us. And now with our Comicsology affiliation, now moving over to Amazon, uh, I've changed the links on the front page of the website. So if you still click on those Comixology uh, web banners, or if you click on the links in the uh, show notes uh, on individual reviews, it'll take you to the Amazon page. You can buy your books uh, through the Kindle slash Comixology digital format. It'll still come to your Comixology app. It'll still come to your Kindle. You can read it on both, actually. And still a little bit, and I mean a little bit. I'm talking about if you're thinking, ah, oh, Stephen must be getting 10, 20% of every sale. First of all, it's major spoilers that gets the money. But second of all, no, it's much, much lower than that. Um, but a, a little bit does help. So, and I know many of you have been using those Comixology links. So if you click on a link from something that we've done far, far in the past, and it's still taking you to the Comixology page, go back to the front page, click on the Comixology link there or the Amazon link and make your purchase that way. But going forward, you will see everything linking to the Amazon Kindle slash Comixology uh, site. And again, it's just an affiliate link. Um, We make money through your purchases. Uh, We force Jeff Bezos. He's not going to take us up in his rocket ship, but uh, we're forcing him to take some money out of his pocket and uh, throw it in the gutter for us to chase after every couple of months. So there you go. I just, I just thought of something. Yes. What do you think that they called her the winter Hulk instead of Omega red Hulk because they want to use her? And they're still like the X Men stuff is still tied up. Um, no, no, not at this point. The X Men stuff isn't tied up. Yeah, I guess Gamma and Omega are like far apart in the alphabet. That's true. So are Alpha and Omega. Speaking of uh, of that, let's get to our uh, trade paperback discussion this week. Fatal from Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. I think, as much as I love Mark Wade, Matthew, mm-hmm. as much mm-hmm. as I like Humberto Ramos, mm-hmm. uh. I think the team of Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips is my favorite comic book duo. And I know that's saying a lot, but honestly, when I read any of their stuff, I'm just like, wow, this is so really good. I feel like you're, you're almost comparing sexy apples and angry oranges there. I mean, you know, something to be said about angry oranges, but at Brubaker and Phillips deliver comic books that feel like pulp novels. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you read a Brubaker story, you know, you can actually hear Sam Spade. Yeah. She was a brunette who'd make a bishop kick a hole in a stained glass window. You know, you can go through that and it's like, it's, it's not necessarily quantitatively, oh my God, this is better than Mark Wade or this is better than we've, Kurt Busick, but it's so perfect. 
in yeah. what it does and yeah. what very few other comic stories try to do. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree with you, man. So it's Brubaker well, Phillips is like top notch stuff. Yeah. It used to be, if you were to say, Stephen, what is one writer or one artist that if you see their work, you buy it just without question. And it would have been like Mark Wade, Umberto Ramos, uh, Francesco Franco Villa, uh, who's another uh, writer. Uh, uh, um, you just mentioned his name, Kurt Busick, uh, Dan Legend Slott. Of the Dark Knight. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Legends of the Dark Knight. Sure. Uh, but lately, if I just see Brubaker Phillips, even if it's uh, Sean Phillips, son doing the artwork mm-hmm. on it, I'm down for buying that. And I think many people know that I have stopped buying physical comic books. And it's been four or five years now. Well, maybe four years since I bought a regular physical comic book. Everything now is digital for me. But Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips' uh, new series, Reckless, is so good that not only did I go buy the previous two volumes, I pre-ordered the new volume, which is supposed to arrive, is it tomorrow or the 30th? I'm going to have to go back and double check. But I am giddy with anticipation in reading their their latest installment of the Reckless series. So when we have a chance to sit down and, and review uh, Fatal, I'm totally down for reading this book. In fact, we're reading in the deluxe edition of Fatal Volume 1. It's actually collecting Volumes 1 and 2, the first 10 issues of the series. Mm. There are five individual volumes uh, total. I think it's then three deluxe volumes, something like that. Um, but 25 issues. And I sat down and read all 25 issues on Sunday, just back to back, just loving every, every minute of it. Now my eyeballs <laughs> felt like they were going to fall out of my head afterwards, but this is the book, even though, uh, didn't Brubaker do, um, Gotham central um, or am I thinking of somebody else? Yes. Uh, this is the volume or this is the series that got me very excited about Brubaker Phillips. Uh, let's see. Ed Brubaker, Greg Rucka is who wrote Rucka, it. Rucka, Rucka, uh, Rucka. Let's see. Story focused. Yeah. 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 So Ed Brubaker and Greg, Greg Rucka. Um, this is the series that really became, became me becoming a, a devotee, which is kind of ironic since there's cult members running around left and right, stabbing people throughout <laughs> this book. Judy, Judy, oh. <laughs> uh, but that's, that's where, you know, my love of uh, the fade out, which we've reviewed recently, as well as the reckless books, uh, mm-hmm. And the, um, what's the other one that we've done? The, the crime family one. Oh, um, uh, bomba, just try to felony. You're I close. Criminal, 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 title. criminal, criminal. Yeah, that. Yeah, that criminal series. Um, so what is Fatal? Well, Fatal is a Lovecraftian noir tale about these men who mm-hmm. encounter a woman who doesn't age. And she has strange powers over men to compel them to do what she wants. At the same time, there's a cult, literal red robed figures with knives, tracking her and, and killing people because they want to sacrifice her for some reason. And so there's some creepy guys with dark sunglasses, basically your men in black types. And then a crusty old man who uh, <laughs> wants her. Sometimes he's got a burned body. Sometimes he's got eyes. Sometimes he doesn't have eyes. Sometimes he's a giant squid uh, monster, a squid head guy. Well, uh, like you do. Yeah. You know, like, like monsters are in Lovecraftian tales. 
And so the interesting thing is this story takes place over multiple time periods. There's a time period that takes, well, uh, jumping ahead far into the future of this series. There's a time period that takes place during uh, the medieval times. Uh, there's a time period that takes place in the 90s. There's a, time, there's a story that takes place in the present. Um, but in these first two volumes, we get some stories that are set both in the present 1950s San Francisco and then 1970s Los Angeles, where we get to see these men who enter into Josephine's life and who don't come out right on the other side. Let's just leave it at that. There's some, there's some creepy factors going on in here, but yeah, there's, there's some lost limbs and yeah exploded faces and lost eyeballs in the case of uh, squid man. Yeah. And, and so mm-hmm. we, I will say this, well, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll save it because, uh, Same. Don't, no, okay. Don't so me. don't tell us now. Josephine's powers are never really defined in that. Here's how she got her powers, etc. But we know from, yeah. from the, these two books that she has a power to control men and get them to do whatever they want. And men obsess over her. I believe in the 1950s story, there's a bit where men get into fights over her just because she's walking down the street. Right. So, but her powers are never like your powers come from this uh, cosmic thing or anything like that. Uh, There's no, there's nothing that really spells out where the source of her power comes from. I think with respect to Nathan Raven, I think of her as a manic pixie doom girl. (laughs) <laughs> because she she really does roll into their life like you know an Aubrey Hepburn character mm-hmm. and not Aubrey Hepburn Audrey Hepburn is the one I'm <laughs> thinking of the other Hepburn who who cares um the one from uh, the terrible racist movie with Mickey Rooney the pretty one you know with yeah, the, the head a- Audrey Hepburn oh well, who's the other one I don't know oh I'm thinking of Catherine Hepburn from on golden pond nonetheless here's the deal forget all the hepburns there are no hepburns just imagine a girl who shows up and the men are like oh this is my manic pixie dream girl to save my life and then they all die horribly (laughs) and i really i kind of enjoy that inversion of that nonsense because these men they treat her as a muse or they treat her as you know a mommy or they treat her as you know a sex kitten and she's clearly got her own thing going on and they going to die. That's, that's kind of neat. Yeah. And so that does get into that noir aspect of the femme fatale, right? Something that men, especially if you look at like double indemnity where men are willing to commit murder and willing to commit insurance fraud. Although one could argue that the murder is a little bit more egregious than insurance fraud, but there depends on what they're insuring, I guess. But in the case of, uh, (laughs) but in the case of, uh, my three sons, the dad, uh, Fred McMurray, he's willing to do whatever it takes to get with this woman. And that's what we see in 1950 San Francisco with these police officers that are that are willing to do anything for this woman, this reporter who's willing to do anything for this woman. We also see it in the 70s where there's this uh, B-movie actor who wants to make it big, but he stumbles uh, across something. He, he stumbles across this cult, but he finds like a snuff film or something that uh, and then he stumbles into her her house by accident and gets enthralled by her. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's really trippy. Um, Rodrigo, you're kind of, you're kind of quiet at this point. What, what are your, some of your thoughts? Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, as, as I was reading this, I was like, oh, um, yeah, 
Josephine's powers are not very well defined. Mm. And they're kind of, she's very powerful. You know, she's like, she can basically get in anywhere. She can, uh, you know, uh, get anyone to do almost anything for her. Uh, Certainly anything that's not like terribly dangerous, people are just willing to do for no reason, just because she talks to them. And I was like, that seems like, that seems like a lot. And, you know, I've seen writers kind of fumble with, giving a power, a, a character that much power. It's like uh, nobody can write karma from the X-Men mm-hmm. um, or X-Force. Um, Force-Men. Yeah. Um, but then I thought about it and I realized that actually she's act- she's not the main character. Mm-hmm. So right. the fact that she just moves through the world like a hot, in more than one way, a knife through butter, um, actually makes things difficult for the characters that are trying to be with her or get a hold of her or get her to explain what's happening because it makes her slippery. It makes her like, you know, she just has no problems um, getting money and going somewhere else and like hopping in a car and having somebody take her somewhere else. So this character is not hindered by social problems by, by, you know, social aspects. Right. So, the the real main characters of this, like the goobers that are chasing after her, mm-hmm. um, do have to deal with all that stuff. Yeah, so there's is a, what I can never spell correctly as the MacGuffin. Right, correct. You cannot spell that correctly. Um, uh, yeah, and and yeah. she is too, because here's the thing. One of the things about Lovecraftian writing, and, and maybe it, it spills over to other authors and their cosmic horror tales, is that often these things are not explained. Like Tolkien does this a lot, right? Frodo, or not Frodo, uh, Bilbo Baggins gets hit on, hit on the head and he misses the entire battle, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and only wakes up after it's all done. Uh, in a lot of Lovecraft tales, people are so shocked and so uh, bl- minds blown by what they, that they encounter, they pass out. And then they're like, hours later, I woke up and, and you know, blah, blah, blah. And so you don't get to experience that stuff. And that's kind of what happens with Josephine, where there are moments in this entire 25 issue run where she's like, okay, I'm going to tell you what's going on. And then you go to the next panel and the man is like, that's impossible kind of stuff. And so it's kind of done intentionally uh, here to kind of keep that mystery going. And Mm -hmm. I see that sometimes in a lot of noir stuff where there's not really, especially the, uh, the pulpy noir, like the stuff that the pulp fiction, you know, what's in, what's in, uh, what's in the briefcase kind of moments, right? It doesn't matter. It's actually his eyes. Doesn't um, matter. No, it doesn't matter. And that's kind of the point with Josephine is that she has this incredible power. And yes, it, it, she is very, very powerful, Rodrigo. And she works hard to control that power because they're in, uh, volume four. Yeah. Volume four. Uh, we see what happens when she can't control her powers. Right. Um, but you're right, Matthew, she is the MacGuffin. The main part of the main thing about this story is look what happens with obsession and, and how obsession can destroy you and ruin your life. If you don't know how to step away and when you get involved too much in stuff. And again, going back to crime noir, which is where Brubaker got his idea from this. Mm -hmm. We see that again and again and again, where people's obsession, whether it be the third man or whether it be, uh, 
what's the one? Uh, Sunset uh, Boulevard, Sunset mm-hmm. Strip. Yeah, Sunset Boulevard. Sunset uh, Boulevard. Yeah, we see that happen again and again. Where, in fact, there's a huge reference in the uh, in the '70s story to Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. Uh, what happens when you stumble upon uh, Desmona's uh, or Desdemona stumble upon her house? So it's really a story about obsession and how some, uh, obsession can corrupt you and ruin you and uh, lead to you losing a leg or lead you to yeah. losing your eyeballs or lead you to floating face down in the swimming pool. Uh, For me, the most fascinating part uh, of Fatal, and I read the um, is oh, did you? Okay, you, that's good to know. Yeah, if you go through the covers. Mm-hmm. of the actual comics not the collections but right. the covers of the comics her face subtly changes depending on the era so mm-hmm. the cover of issue one is a close-up that i swear to god is betty davis probably and you know that's said in the 30s makes sense you know and then you get to the point where we're in the 70s and all of a sudden it's kind of a raquel welchy thing and you know we as they travel as time passes she looks like different it girl characters. There's one where I swear it's Cindy Crawford. And I'm just like, yep, I see what he's going for here. But those covers are, I think the first indication, at least to me that, you know, the, the character isn't what she seems, you know, other than the fact that the first time we see her, she's showing up and, you know, crashing her car into an airplane and, uh, you know, the guy lost his leg, whatever. But you go through this whole story and I feel like the most fascinating part of it to steal your catchphrase is that they don't tell us about her. And it's, it's, I think intentional that we don't get the full backstory that we don't get the, and here's what happened because, um, when I was a kid, I always put everything in, you know, references to when I was like 15, uh, there was a comic book called the swamp thing. Mm-hmm. And in swamp thing for like a year, John Constantine just kept popping up. He'd show up no matter what was going on. You'd just see him walk into a scene. He'd always know where to be. Never had to worry about these things. At one point he's, he had to fly across the country and he literally just wandered onto a plane, sat down in an empty seat. The plane took him across the country and when we got to his own book, when it was about him, we saw how much of it was, you know, that effortless duck gliding across the pond in Swamp Thing. When you get to his own book, you see him paddling mightily mm-hmm. beneath the surface. Mm-hmm. And, you know, seeing her as this character who has, you know, as Rodrigo said, who doesn't necessarily have those social or financial or, you know, the kind of barriers that we expect really does make this story even weirder because you know i I don't think she's a person at all i think she's she's a thing she's a person i'll just say say that i'll just say that she was born under the right conditions i was born in the back of a 67 chevy that's a little bit too much information well to to go back to what you said about things that make this feel creepy yes she's supposed to feel creepy right Uh, to an extent oh yeah because then that makes it feel even weirder when you get to the to the sex scenes. And they don't show everything, but there's enough here to you know what's going on and you can see the parts. Yeah. But I think what there, makes there, it even... There are breasts in here. There yeah, are, yeah. There and there's wieners. You know. um, yeah. But the thing that I think is even creepier and weirder is just that there's all these robed figures just running around uh, stabbing people. And they're, uh, the bishop there, their leader, is just mm-hmm. you know super creepy, super gross. 
and then it's just like it just seems like of all the weirdness that's going on in the book the the creepy cult seems to be the most normal thing for whatever reason and that makes yeah. it even weirder right uh, well, into at, the, this at one universe point in which they're running around in. with you know big swastikas on their robes and i'm just like nope well, yeah because there's a there's a world war ii aspect of it yeah, yeah, yeah. nope now you they, suck you're the villain bye I, I like that the cultists generally appear to be dweebs yes yes like anytime anytime somebody gets the jump on them or they like pull back their hoods or whatever they're just kind of like i don't know like skinny normal looking people and they're like oh please don't shoot me and then they so shoot them. so let's Let's extrapolate on that because I, I like that you brought that up because <laughs> every person that she encounters, right? So the, the guy who loses his leg, mm-hmm. he's a pretty good looking guy, right? He's a pretty, yeah. he seems like a rough and tumble kind of guy. Nicolaj. Yeah. Then we go into the 1950s and we see the, the news reporter guy. And we also see the, the police uh, detective. And those mm-hmm. are very tough guys, tough men, right? Yeah. Manly guys. And then even in the seventies, when we have a really cool movie B man, you know, he's a really suave and cool guy as well. Sort of a Joe Don Baker kind of guy. All of those guys get the girl, right? Which sure. in this case happens to be our mysterious Josephine. The dweebs don't. And the dweebs obsess over trying to get this perfect girl, the unattainable girl. And they're willing to do whatever they want to go and obtain the unobtainable girl. Now, whether that is something that Brew Baker is intentionally writing into the book, one could argue that these average Joe dweeby guys who are in the cult are obsessing over finding Josephine, kind of like maybe what some people in our society do. I mean, I don't know that. I don't know if I agree with that. Read the manly man obsess about her plenty. No, but I mean, that is the drawback, right? I mean, the, the cultists don't see that. They don't see the impact because they just like, usually end up going in and killing all these guys. If anything, the cultists seem weirdly immune to it because you'd think that she, you know, if the cultists ever get a hand on her, that she'd be like, let's run away together. And the cultists would be like, okay, but they actually mm-hmm. seem to be done like basic, like pretty single minded about mm-hmm. uh, getting her and stabbing anyone who gets right. in the way. Is there, hmm, I don't know. Was there any part in the, in the stuff that you guys read? Where, no, it must become another volume where they talk about how these guys aren't as human as they once were. Implying that these guys have in the part that I, okay. So there's this implication that these guys are being transformed into squid monsters like the Bishop. Right. Yeah. The, the Innsmouth terror. It's, Eh, it's mentioned, you know, characters talk about like, being human and there's kind of like, um, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff, of stuff that you can but, just kind of fill in the blanks in. Yeah. Uh, I, but I still agree that there's the dweebiness to these cult members. There's a part in volume five, uh, where Bishop shows up and there's this, this cult and he's like, how many are in your chapter? And they're like, Oh, there's only 15 of us, sir. But like four of them are, are a little old and, and can't really be active. And Bishop's like, huh, what I figured. Uh, so it's kind of like, yeah, that's your read is not wrong. I, I, I don't think. Yeah. The, the nice thing about cosmic horror is that it has a lot of sort of like kind of wheels to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, 
for like we don't need to ask well how can there be a bunch of cultists like this in every city and it's like yeah, you know the you horror yeah. from beyond space just mm -hmm. talks to people that are like sad or broken or have some sort of problem right and basically without anybody doing anything these uh, cults just manifest i mean that that's not explicitly in this book but it's like we've seen that in other places mm -hmm. uh, at least not in the stuff i read there's also um, probably in a few places they mention that these people, these monsters are all around us. They're just veiled. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the other thing. We do see the the cop talk about that, how he can actually see them for what they are. And that's why he's so kind of traumatized because of the stuff that he ended up seeing in the war, mm -hmm. which I think is where he meets Josephine. That's where he rescues her. She's uh, He goes down yeah. into a cavern uh, where they're going to uh, sacrifice her, where Squidface Bishop is going to sacrifice her. And right. he ends up rescuing her and cutting out Bishop's eyes, which makes it hard for him or almost impossible for him to then track down Josephine through the rest of the tale because he can't well, see Well, that's, that's, that's not during the war. That's in the 50s. No, that's when he rescues her. He oh, is that out. a flashback oh, to the it, war? Uh, no, first he, first, no. He, yeah, first he burns the guy. First he burns the guy in the, in the war, and then he cuts his eyes out in the 50s. Right, right. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's pronounced squid face, by the way. Whatever. Um, squid. You, know what how your... you, you know how you keep, keep that guy away from your house? Mm. <laughs> how? With a, with a squid ward. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's a good one, Rodrigo. What's your final thoughts on, on uh, Fatal? At least the first two volumes of this. Yeah, it's... Um, I'm, I'm usually up for mixing almost any genre with cosmic horror. And noir just totally lends itself to it mm -hmm. right i agree similar very similar situation uh, and very similar themes P part of the issue with cosmic horror is that sometimes the themes don't match up like if you do high adventure and cosmic horror then the cosmic horror stuff is just the type of monster that there is right mm -hmm. like that's kind of how it was in uh the void saga when i was doing it it's like the characters have the ability to like shoot lasers out of their swords Cosmic horror is not that scary, and that's fine. But in noir and cosmic horror match up really well. So this, yeah. uh, I unfortunately, I already knew uh, that this was going to be noir and cosmic horror together going in. I sort of wish that I had been able to be surprised by it. Mm. Uh, because I think that, yeah, these two genres kind of move in and out effortlessly. And of course, it's well written, very well illustrated. Yeah, here's the big problem you really ought to get, if you can, dear listeners and Rodrigo or whoever else, if you can get the original issues, do it. Because the one thing that is not included in the comiXology editions and is not included in the trade paperback editions are the letters columns. Because one of the things that Brubaker makes a point of doing is writing essays in the back of the book of each issue about what are themes and ideas that kind of inspired him in this. And if mm -hmm. I remember correctly, he did this with Fatal. He certainly did it with um, the Fade Out that yes. we reviewed previously. And I was disappointed that that was missing from from these digital collections. So if you get your if you can get your hands on the originals, some of that backup material is just invaluable, giving you insight into history, giving you insight into Brubaker's thinking. Uh, so definitely, definitely pick pick those up. Matthew, what, uh, so, and then just bottom line for me, as I've, uh, if you can't guess, I, I love this series uh, a great deal. I highly recommend that you go and check it out. If you're into the cosmic horror and 
and uh, and noir. But even then, I think this is a pretty good kind of kind of creepy tale. It's it's not Matthew's uh, malignant uh, uh, or saw kind of horror, but mm-hmm. it's definitely a creepy horror. And I yeah. and that's why I say buy it, buy it. Matthew, what is your final thought? It's good, and it shouldn't be my jam because you know crime stories, noir tales are not generally my favorite sort of genre because you know everybody's really compromised in a noir story mm-hmm. and your hero is is usually a jerk but yeah i'm i'm really sort of fine with that and you know i just can't stand lovecraft i can't stand lovecraft and i can't stand lovecraft and i don't know why that is but well because he's a horrible racist number one well sure but also his writing just you know upsets me and you know i i am susceptible to you know body horror and uh, have that trypophobia thing that makes certain descriptions you know just make me want to vomit but this book works this is solid work by two excellent creators who know the form and who know the craft of comics well enough to take these two genres that shouldn't work to put them in a visual format that also shouldn't work and make it come out beautiful. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with Steven on the whole by the original issues. If you can find them, I remember, you know, the prices on those jumping pretty quickly when they were coming out. Well, of course um, it also took him a couple of years to get the whole series out. So well, that yeah, was, that, that was definitely in the, series. that was definitely in the two ninety nine to four ninety nine. uh, time period when these things were, were jumping. I want to, yeah, I want to say they were, you know, seven and eight bucks by the times they were hitting the, the back yeah. issue bin, but yeah, I don't, yeah, maybe it's a good book. Read the book, enjoy the book. Um, be aware that you're going to see blood and guts and nipples. And if, if that's your jam, then, uh, by all means jam it, I guess. And if it's definitely not, don't complain about how your child got a hold of this, that you're a parent, you can take care of what your kid is exposed to. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, that is where we're going to end this week's episode. Thank you to everyone, and especially thank you to all of our patrons who made this happen. Uh, and thank you to everybody for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. As always, we want the feedback. We want to know what you know, why you say what you say, where you go, what you go, and do that magic that you do so well. So join the rest of the cool kids at the Major Spoilers Discord server. Link is in the show notes. You can share your thoughts and reactions to the episode there or... You can send us an email, podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Goes right to Steven's Google Glasses. He'll see it. He'll be like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Is this from Jimbo McGregor? <laughs> and you might hear your words on an Jimbo upcoming Jimbo McCormick. Episode. It's Jimbo oh, McCormick. <laughs> oh, and our new patron, Jimbo McGregor. <laughs> of the clan Matthew McGregor. hasn't gotten the name right all show, so <laughs> That's I, true. I, I, I don't fault him. Listen, that. you don't you don't need to be giving me <laughs> crap there, Raimondo. I don't have to take this abuse from you. I bet you will. Anyway, Rodrigo, do you have any final uh, thoughts? Sterling. <laughs> uh, you can support this show and everything we do by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Now all of us have said it at least once during the show, and we will be back next week. Next week, it looks like we are taking a look at American Vampire Volume 2 and 3 from good old uh, Zack Snyder. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too. And we will talk with you soon. Fat Dick's revision of Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner.
What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm Stark Raven rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine Be in the Middle East With a King Santo and soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler This podcast is copyright 2021 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.